0: Hello, and welcome to the Amber Live interviews. This is Russell, producer and co-host of Amber Live. We want to remind you to subscribe to us both here and at youtube.com slash amberlive. You don't want to miss a moment of Amber LeMay, the Larry King of drag queens. There's so much more to the show than just the interviews that Amber does each week. We have hundreds of interviews, comedy sketches, songs, and more on YouTube that you can watch anytime. But... In the meantime, you can listen to the amazing interviews right here. Now enjoy this episode of Amber Live Interviews. We have Dr. Carlton on the show tonight
1: and um, I was trying to figure out how to introduce him and I thought, um, hmm, maybe this would be a good way. Roll it, Russell.
0: When my roommate comes into the room looking for his car keys, I don't say it yet. And when he gets me off the couch to check underneath the couch cushions I don't say it yet No And then when he says out loud I wonder where my car keys are I still don't say it, I still don't say it yet. But then he asks me Do you know where my car keys are? I look at him in his face And I say Have you checked your bottle? Seen your keys, but since you're asking me You better check out that bottle (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that pretty much covers uh, Dr. Carlton's specialty. <laughs> Dr. Carlton, come on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's the best introduction I've ever had. <laughs> I love it. Amber, it's so wonderful to be with you tonight. And thank you to Russell for all his help, too.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, he, he's, he, he searched you out. He found you and connected us. I am just very, very happy. So... Why would that be an appropriate introduction for you? I'll let you explain.
2: Well, on TikTok, I'm known as the butt stuff guy. So I, uh, you know, with the advent of the pandemic, being a gastroenterologist myself and a gay man, uh, I have two kids who were 16 years old, who spent a lot of time on TikTok. And during the pandemic, I found a lot of downtime because we couldn't really do a whole lot of screening examinations because we can only do emergency things. So I I found a lot of of, uh, nights with uh, time on my hands and started scrolling through TikTok just to see what it was like and kind of uh, lurked for a while. And then after about four hours one night where I had realized I had laughed, cried, Written down recipes for chili, um, you know. Uh, gotten angry and um, laughed some more. I realized, hey, this is a pretty funny uh, platform. I love this. It's a lot of, um, well, at least the, at that time, it was a lot of a um, uh, lot less sort of antagonistic than say Twitter or Facebook. And I was just so tired of the politics that were going on at the time. I really wanted to lose myself in some in, in some laughter. Um, I got the guts to post a few videos uh, and I posted one about, you know, what I know best, you know, butt stuff. I'm, you know, be, being a gastroenterologist who's Mayo Clinic training and a gay man, you know, who better to go to about, you know, knowledge about butt stuff than, I, than, than me, really. So I, I posted a couple of videos back to back, uh, made them all official. I was really uptight and had my white coat on and everything like that. And I posted them and thought, hey, listen, you know, what's the reaction to this going to be? It's either going to be people are going to be horrified and they're going to shame me and I'm going to have to take it down immediately. Or, you know, maybe people will like it. And of course, the first person that responded was some housewife from Iowa who was horribly offended that I could talk about butt stuff on a on a um, children's platform. And now, meanwhile, just so you know, I used all the code words. I had to use a lot of innuendo because it is TikTok. You can't say certain things. You have to, you have to code yourself so that you don't get taken down or banned. So I, I put these videos up and I thought, oh, man, I have two reactions I can have here. I can either delete this video or I can block this woman and move forward and see what happens. So that's what I did. I blocked her. I woke up the next morning, turned on my phone, and I had 50,000 new followers and a million hits on my videos.
1: Oh, my gosh. So, so I realized
2: that, that right away, hey, there's a hunger for this information that nobody ever talks about.
1: Where does it, the interest start? Let's talk about, you know, undergrad, you know, as a, as a kid. <laughs> where, where did your interest in butt stuff start? Well,
2: well, really, I, you know, I always knew I wanted to be a doctor when, my, when I was about seven years old. Uh, you know how parents sort of... Uh, vet their kids out to other parents and say, oh, well, my kid's going to be a doctor. What's your kid going to be? So I got stuck in saying that. And they kind of kept, even though they had only a high school education, they kind of kept saying, hey, our son's going to be a doctor. He said he wants us to be a doctor. So I just kind of went along with it. After a while, I kind of changed my mind a little bit, but then went back to it. I I went into med school and I did a visiting rotation in med school. What was your
1: undergrad um, degree
2: in? In biology.
1: Okay. So, all so right. So did,
2: that's good. I, I grew up in South Carolina. I, I I did undergrad in South Carolina, and I went to a rural clinic in South Carolina for my uh, for my for my uh, first rotation in medical school that I could do a summer rotation in, and because it was a, a rural clinic, they don't have access to a lot of things that other places do. So they do their own colonoscopies. So the doctor jokingly handed me the colonoscopy scope and said, okay, try this. I'll see you in about an hour when it takes you an hour to get where you need to get to with this camera. He came back in in five minutes and I had completed the exam and he was like, whoa, that's amazing. You should really go into this. So then I I, I did some research into it. I went to the Mayo Clinic to do a visiting rotation there. There's not a whole lot to do in Minnesota other than study um especially rochester minnesota which is a really small town in the middle of a cornfield and it it basically just has a mayo clinic and a mall and uh so i really studied really hard i they really loved me they wanted me to come back there so i committed to six years six winters i call it in minnesota of doing internal medicine and gi and um You know, learn from the best people in the world, from the best place in the world for what I do. So I really didn't combine the whole uh, gay aspect of things into my practice until I got my first job in Palm Springs um, back in 2004.
1: How did did you go from Minnesota to Palm Springs? What was the uh, motivation or what was the opportunity there?
2: The need to thaw out. (laughs) Um, basically, basically, I grew up, I grew up watching the Beverly Hillbillies and, and, um, things like, um, uh, Brady Bunch. And, uh, I always knew I wanted to live in a place like California that was glamorous and had more opportunities than where I came from, which was a poor tobacco town. Um, so I kind of always had my, my sights on California. And when I got the opportunity to move to Palm Springs, which is gay and gray, it was the perfect opportunity to go and, and uh, set up my first practice. Um, uh, we had kids early on and now, who, my, who's, I, we, who's we, my, my husband and I had kids early on and we decided where where, did you,
1: to, where, where, where did, where did he come from? Where
2: did you meet him? Well, I, I met him in, in Palm Springs uh, at, you know, in my first job. Uh, I met him at the gym. He's a great, handsome, smart, amazing man who can do anything under the sun. He he's, just an incredible guy, an incredible guy. Uh, and uh, we decided after having children that, hey, listen, we ought, to, uh, we, ought, we ought to move to a place that has more opportunities for them than Palm Springs because Palm Springs was just uh, limited in its opportunities for children. Uh, so we moved to San Diego and honestly, best move I ever made. Uh, my patients are from every country in the world from every background possible. And it's about 75 degrees every day. So I I love it here, I couldn't be happier.
1: I've been to San Diego and it is very, very beautiful. All right, doctor, we'll be right back with you. We're gonna talk about uh, some of the things that you do with all those patients from all over the world. Uh, But I've got something right now I wanna talk about and that's my uh, top five of the week and uh, in keeping with Dr. Carlton especially, I've come up with my top five songs about butts. Now, some of these are chosen for the musical attributes, some for the creative verbiage, and others just because I liked them. So, coming in at number five is Honky Tonk Badonkadonk by country singer Trace Atkins. Now, badonkadonk is defined as an adjective used to describe buttocks of exceptional quality and bounce. A But this is not to be confused with the song Badonka Dunk by Trista, or excuse me, Twista, which specifies that Badonka Dunk applies to only African-American women. Dunk, dunk, can't we all just get along? Coming in at number four, Fat Bottom Girls by Queen. Gotta give credit to Freddie Mercury for taking a word, fat, that usually has a less than positive connotation and turning it into an anthem for all those who truly make the world go round. Coming in at number three, My Humps by Black Eyed Peas. Seriously, what are you going to do with all that junk, all that junk inside your trunk? Coming in at number two, Shake Your Booty by KC and the Sunshine Band. Okay, when you hear this, You just got to shake, 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 shake your booty, shake your booty. Everybody now, shake, 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 shake your booty, shake your booty. I know you were shaking it. And coming in at number one, rounding out my top five, what would a list about butt songs be without Baby Got Back? Or otherwise known as I Like Big Butts by Sir Mix-A-Lot. As a karaoke host for close to 20 years, this was one of the most popular songs sung by guys, girls, gays, lesbians. Apparently, everyone likes big butts, and I cannot lie. And that's this week's top five about bottoms.
0: What's your favorite butt songs? Do you have some? Write them in the comments. All right. This is Russell producer and co-host of Amber Live, reminding you that it is your support that keeps us going. You can make a donation through this podcast by using our Venmo at RJDPro or by visiting us at amberlive.tv and clicking on the support Amber Live button. And now back to this incredible interview. So come back in Dr. Carlton. Do you have any favorite butt songs?
2: I even did a TikTok video about songs that shouldn't play during a colonoscopy, <laughs> and 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 the and the first song was "Like a Virgin," uh, <laughs> the, the second one was "Baby Got Back," mm-hmm. the third was "Ring of Fire," <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fourth was uh, "Wide Open Spaces," <laughs> and after that was "Everybody Hurts." Oh. And then the last one was in too deep. Oh probably. my gosh! Oh, that is so
1: <laughs> so fun. So let's talk about colonoscopies, all right? So, sure. um, what age do you think that um, people? I don't want to discriminate men because everyone should get a colonoscopy. Right? Um, what age should they start? And um, tell tell us about that. And and what should they expect if they've never had one before?
2: Colonoscopy is really crucial in the prevention of colon cancer. Colon cancer is the third leading cancer killer among Americans. So in, uh, overall we have lung cancer as number one, uh, and women breast cancer number two, and then colon cancer, uh, and men it's lung and then breast, excuse me, lung. And then, um, colon and uh prostate are, uh, are usually kind of neck and neck with, with two and three. So you have uh, polyps, which are the things that grow and change into cancer, you do a colonoscopy and take those out, you don't get colon cancer. And stage one colon cancer, if found in, you know, in, st- in stage one, stage two, has a really remarkably high cure rate. But if you let it go to stage three or four, it's not very good. It's about a 14% uh, five-year survival rate in stage four colon cancer. And the sad thing is, is prevent- it's preventable with colonoscopy. So when, when it comes to, to pure screening age, the uh, associations in the United States have recently dropped the screening age recommendation from 50 to 45, which means as a 50-year-old man in a couple of months, I'm suddenly overdue and I have my colonoscopy already scheduled. Um, so um, in the general population with no symptoms at all, 45. Uh, some insurances haven't caught up to it yet and still say fifty so you uh, check with your insurance provider to make sure that you're covered um, at at age forty five if you go earlier than fifty. If you have symptoms, that's a whole different story. So if you have rectal bleeding, changes in bowel habits, abdominal pain, unintentional weight loss that's a, that's not a screening exam that's a diagnostic exam and needs to be done to just check and make sure everything's okay. I diagnosed a couple of people under age 40 with children under 15 with stage four colon cancer in this All past right. year. So really, really, really crucial and important to get your colonoscopies done if you're having symptoms. And then if you have a family history of colon cancer, even more crucial for family history, the recommendation is age 40 or 10 years prior to the onset of the colon cancer in the first degree family member. So if your mother had colon cancer at 35, you get your colonoscopy at 25. If your mother had uh, colon cancer at 55, you get it at 40. If at 45, you get it at 35. So age 40 or 10 years prior to the onset of the cancer, whichever comes first. As far as what, what to expect for a colonoscopy, sorry about that. Um, no, no. Yeah, so the day before is really the only hard part. Uh, you do a clear liquid diet the whole day and a laxative solution to flush out. Um, go to the bathroom an awful lot. Um, we actually have made it better by making it taste like Gatorade, the stuff that you drink. So, you mix a a bottle of Miralax powder, 238 grams, and 64 ounces of Gatorade, it flushes everything right out. It tastes like Gatorade. So, the horror stories about the way that the stuff tastes is a thing of the past. Uh, the day you have you come in fasting, you get some great drugs, you get knocked out, you don't feel a thing, you don't remember a thing. It's pretty amazing. And we do our thing.
1: What do you hear about when people say, No, I don't want that? Um, I, or, uh, I don't want anybody messing around back there. What, 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 what do you say to them?
2: You know, I, I explain the risk of colon cancer and how easy it is for, to prevent it. Um, I also uh, really reiterate how the day before is the only hard part, that the day of they won't even feel it or remember it, and they'll even laugh about it afterwards. And I frequently tell them stories about how I've even had friends that I've done colonoscopies on that I talked to after the procedure even, and they still didn't remember me talking to them. I so. remember you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so how many of them do you do uh, now that we're out of the, right now, a little break from the COVID, COVID pandemic, how many do you do a week or daily or whatever?
2: Well, I do two to three days of colonoscopy and endoscopy a week. And when I have a, an endoscopy day, I do anywhere from 18 to 22 in a day.
1: Wow. That, so how, how do people from different, um, cultures handle that? Cause is, is there a difference in cultures?
2: Well, definitely there, you know, there's a bit more machismo in certain in certain in certain cultures that I deal with. Um, you know, uh, I, I find particularly, um, especially Latino men here in San Diego are the hardest people to really get to come in for preventive examinations. Um, I actually, I have a funny story about it. I had this one guy, I didn't speak Spanish at the time. I speak Spanish now, but at the time I didn't speak Spanish and he came in and said, oh, I don't want anything up my butt, I don't want anything up my butt. I don't want anything up my butt. And so I convinced him to still have his colonoscopy. He comes in, he gets a little bit of the medication to sedate him he's not quite out yet but he's feeling really good. And I lubricate my finger, insert it in the rectum to do the rectal examination and loop things up to put the camera in. And he uttered, uttered something under his breath. And my my lab tech, who is completely fluent in Spanish, just busted out laughing. And I said, what are you laughing about? And he said, I think I kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> <I remember. laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I, deal, I deal with a lot of different issues, um, you know, especially uh, in San Diego. We have a huge population of people who have been um, who have migrated from. Afghanistan or Iraq, and especially women don't want a male to do the procedure, but luckily I have two female partners, so that's usually taken care of.
1: What's the difference between women and men,
2: Um, or is there? Am I being ignorant here? When it comes to colonoscopies, it's usually easier in men than in women, because women oftentimes, not, not universally, oftentimes have had Children have had, you know, uh, C sections have had hysterectomies have had a lot of abdominal surgeries, and usually men haven't had a whole lot of abdominal surgery, so there's not much scar tissue there. It's just really super easy to get around in men, but it's still it's equally important in men and in women to get it done. We've talked about the serious stuff:
1: colonoscopies, um, the colon cancers, and everything. Those are things that have to be done so let's talk about some fun stuff now absolutely
2: (laughs) that's why i'm here Uh, yes
1: yes what are some of the questions that uh, people come in and say i want to get started into having some anal action
2: well i think there's a couple of uh, you know my my early videos talk about this about how you know there's three keys preparation relaxation and lubrication OK, so uh, preparation, the number one fear and number one topic of controversy that I have on social media is douching. More people are freaked out about douching than any 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 other topic on the on the Internet, it seems, when it comes to my area. Now, is this
1: enemas? Uh, are you talking about enemas?
2: Yeah, just so. So using enemas okay, to we, clean we, out. We have, mm. we
1: have we have your uh, clip about enemas. So let, let let's sure. watch that. Sure.
2: Store-bought enemas often contain harsh chemicals that can irritate the lining of your rectum, leading to increased risk for STI transmission, as well as increased cramping. Who wants that? But the delivery device is really awesome in a pinch. Dump out the solution, rinse the bottle, refill with lukewarm water so you don't burn yourself, make sure the tip is well lubricated, insert, repeat until you're clear, the more you know. So
1: the fleet enemas or those in the plastic
2: bottles, you're saying yeah. those, those are harmful? Yeah. Harmful? Well, the, the fleet enemas are, the bottles are great. They're awesome, especially if you're traveling or if you're in a pinch. It's, they're great delivery devices, but they often contain phosphate. And phosphate irritates, the reason it works is it irritates your rectum to, to cramp and empty so that you get motility down there to empty things out. But at the same time, those phosphates can irritate the lining of the rectum and irritation in the rectum is a risk factor for STI transmission, you know, including gonorrhea, chlamydia, but also HIV. So it's really important not to use uh, chemical-based uh, enemas. A lot of times, even the Fleet enemas that say saline on them, if you look on the side of them, it says it, that they contain phosphates. So that's why I recommend just dumping out the solution and using water. <laughs> A lot of people freak out about, oh, if you use water, that's not good for your flora or that's not good for your overall pH or, or oh, you could wear away the lining of your rectum if you douche. Trust me, after, after doing this for 20 years professionally, I've never seen a case of, oops, he douched too much. <laughs> so I don't get freaked out about using water for, uh, for cleaning out. Now, if in fact you do use water too much, and that can be different for different people, too much is when it starts affecting your daily bowel habits. If you start affecting your daily bowel habits, like you can't go without douching, then there's a problem and that's when you need to stop. But in general, all these 25 year olds on TikTok who come on and say, oh, you shouldn't douche; you should just eat a high fiber diet, have clearly never had an experience with a larger task, um uh that required an empty chamber <laughs> and honestly at, 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 having an empty chamber just makes things feel better down there you don't want to have especially if you're like i said if you're taking on a larger task you don't want to have um that phenomenon happening down there <laughs>
1: no. i know i read somewhere probably on the interwebs who knows where that during the pandemic that a lot of men started experimenting with some uh, anal pleasure. Uh, Did you get contacted by any, or do you have any um, questions or um, suggestions for people who are trying out uh, vibrators or any other toys?
2: Well, I think one of the biggest things that that everybody needs to know, straight, gay, bi, whatever, that area has a lot of nerve fibers. It's rich in nerve fibers, and our G-spot is located back there. So if your partner is bent away, bent over and and facing away from you and you're behind them, it's down at six o'clock and a couple of inches in. If they're on their back and looking at you, it's about at 12 o'clock, a couple of inches in. So, you know, that's where the G-spot is. So uh, clearly straight guys and people who are strict tops really miss out on a lot of pleasure by um, missing stimulation in that area. So yes, with my Instagram and my TikTok, I get questions from people all around the world. And one of the tragic things is a lot of people who come from countries where it's illegal to be gay and they could be executed for being gay, contact me and say, hey, listen, if I I, I have a problem here, I don't know what to do. If I go to the doctor and I show them this sore on my butthole and it turns out to be a sexually transmitted infection, I could get executed. Please help me. So a lot of people don't realize that, yeah, while I talk about douching and anal and butts and stuff like that, that I do a lot of serious stuff behind the scenes that people have no idea about. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, and I, provide, I, I provide a private service for people for free. Hey, listen, if you have an issue and you're afraid to talk to anybody, come to me on my Instagram and message me on my Instagram. I will answer whatever you ask and give you my opinion. And we and, yeah, go, go ahead, ahead, go
1: ahead. Well, yeah. we have pl- we have plenty more to talk about, but uh, right now uh, we'll be back. And we're going to talk about poppers. We're going to talk about days and um, and bottoming. What bottoming is all about. So, hey, in there,
0: doctor. Right now, we're going to bring Russell in and uh, do some housekeeping. Thanks for listening to this interview. This is Russell, producer and co-host of Amber Live, reminding you that we stream on YouTube every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Check out the hundreds of past interviews and all the comedy sketches, songs, and more from previous episodes. And remember to subscribe to us, both here and on YouTube.com slash AmberLive, so you don't miss a single new guest or a hysterical comedy sketch.
1: Let's bring Dr. Carlton back in. Uh, Well, I want to watch the um, the clip you did about bidets, so uh, let's watch that.
2: More tips from a gay GEI doctor on how to better take care of your butt, bear and cub edition. Listen, days are game-changers for everybody, but particularly bears and cubs. If you have a lot of hair back there, it's impossible to get clean with toilet paper. You have to wipe and wipe and wipe, use a half a roll. days get you fresh and clean fast. Mine even has a seat warmer, pretty cool. So they sell them as attachments, check them out, the more you know.
1: <laughs> the days I've heard a lot of people are getting them um they seem European <laughs> for one thing. Um, are, are they complicated um it seems like there should be a lot of plumbing involved
2: actually my husband bought one in a store locally and just installed it as an attachment on our existing toilet and it has a seat warmer it has it has different um, uh, water dispensing. Uh, i guess ejection uh firm you know uh velocities <laughs> um you know it it's it, it is really amazing um it's kind of funny when we installed it our kids uh, had uh neighbors next door who came over and they're like hey go in the bathroom and sit on the toilet and hit the button and you could just hear them go <laughs> 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 but um yeah truly bidets are game changers they decrease your need for wiping uh, they get everything clean around the anal area uh, leading to a lot less residue back there uh, a lot in which leads to less itching and less irritation um, and it's better for the environment do you have to dry off afterwards mine even has a dryer on it it has a little air dryer <laughs> you just press the button after it, it automatically comes on after you after you have the rent cycle
1: I'm going to have to look into this yeah, It's
2: pretty amazing. It really, really is. And especially if you have a lot of hair back there, uh-huh. which I know yours is like pristine and perfect and doesn't have a single <laughs> hair. <laughs> but when you're a hairy guy like me, you need to, you need every, you need all those hairs around that area clean. And it's hard to do that with toilet paper.
1: Very, very interesting. Now, as I said, it's a, uh, common in europe but again you know we being in america so puritanical that like we don't want to talk about things like that it just hasn't caught on much
2: so yeah yeah and it's and honestly so many people after i've made that video have said oh my god i made a, i got a bidet my life has forever changed thank you so much
1: <laughs> I, I believe that but it's it's still very funny all right so um so bottoming All right. Can you explain what bottoming is and how one should go about it
2: properly? So uh, bottoming is when you have, well, I guess it can be uh, person to person, but if you have anything inserted into your anal canal for sexual pleasure. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of stigma behind bottoming. Uh, Oh, you must be the girl in the relationship if you bottom or oh, you must be the femme queen that that if you're the bottom bottoming doesn't have a sexuality, it doesn't have a gender, it doesn't have a level of uh, uh, gender spectrum, Um, you know, it doesn't have a masculinity or femininity to it at all. Um, Like I said before, there's a lot of incredible nerve fibers back there. So, like I I had talked about before, preparation is the key with the the cleaning out process. Not everybody needs to clean out, but, you know, most people do. Um, The anus itself is a circular muscle. And one of the biggest keys that a lot of people don't understand about that is that that muscle can be relaxed with just physical stimulation. One of the things I do as a doctor on rectal examinations as I slide my finger in about a couple of inches with lubrication and press over to one side or the other or up or down, and that tiny little circle starts opening up. If you hold firm pressure up against the side, things start relaxing. You go to the other side, it relaxes more. You go up, it relaxes more, and then down, it relaxes even more. So depending on what is going in there and how the width of what's going in there, you can really prepare yourself for Um, a much better experience by relaxing that area you don't want to just jam something in there because if you do that you can tear the lining of the anus and that's called an anal fissure and those are very painful and they may take months to heal for some people and sometimes they even require surgery so that's why lubrication and relaxation are very very key and I'm really, really proud to partner right now with Gun Oil Lubricants, my favorite lube for 15 years. And it actually, I have a, 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 um, a 30% off using code doctor um, with, with Gun Oil Lubricants, there's a lot lot of them. I, I love them, they're really great. There's anything from water-based to silicone-based to um, hybrids. I personally prefer silicone-based lubes because they're acts as a protective um, barrier and they're just a lot more slippery
1: all right very good what people have been asking me all week is so what are the have you worked in the emergency room
2: i get calls yeah
1: what do people come to the emergency room with in their in their
2: butt anything you can imagine under the sun i've had people put you know, vegetables in there. I've had people put candles in there, a light bulb.
1: That, that's uh, what
2: I can't understand.
1: And, and I've read the excuses. Oh, I sat on a light bulb. You don't sit on a light no. bulb.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we know. You don't, you don't have to come in and, and make up any stories. We know already. So, uh, yeah. So one of the things that, uh, one of the weirdest kind of, almost kind of sad situations was I had a guy who was about 80 years old and he liked anal stimulation but he didn't want to tell his wife Mm -hmm. so he actually was using those little yakult tiny little plastic yakult yogurt bottles to stimulate himself with uh, uh, because he you know he didn't want his wife to find a dildo or anything so he was using this to stimulate himself and he he lost it up in there and one of the big things that we always tell people without a base, without a trace. Butts are very, very hungry. There's a suction, a natural sort of vacuum that happens. So if you put something up in there, it sucks it right up in there. So make sure that whatever you put in there has a nice flared base to it. That way things don't get lost. So this poor guy went up in there with his fingers to try to grab this little plastic yogurt bottle. And when he did it, like he pinched it like that, it flanged out and shattered out like that. And then when he tried to pull it out, it was like a fish hook in his butthole. Oh, very very well, sad.
1: How sad?
2: <laughs> Been a lot easier to just say, "Hey, Ma," or, 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 or "Hey, Honey," I like to play with my ass. <laughs> any any other uh,
1: any other uh, unique objects?
2: Oh, uh, you know, well, our our emergency room has a huge psychiatric department. So, like I said, anything anything you can think of from coke bottles to um, to light bulbs, to batteries, you know, some people, whatever they can fit up there, they'll put up there.
1: Wow. 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 All right. We've talked to uh, poppers. Okay. Uh, let's watch the, uh, your, uh, clip about poppers.
2: No doctor's ever going to tell you to use poppers, but if you do, here are three important things you need to know. Number one Don't use them if you have a history of cardiovascular disease like heart attack, stroke, or high blood pressure. Number two, do not mix with Viagra or Cialis. They can create a serious drop in blood pressure. Number three, don't use them in a sauna or a steam room. The vasodilation that happens with the poppers plus that of that intense heat will drop your blood pressure big time. The more you know. Mm -hmm.
1: First of all, tell some of my listeners who aren't aware what poppers are, what poppers are.
2: Yeah. Poppers are a little bottle of inhalant that you can frequently buy in stores as video head cleaner, which we don't have even, we don't even have videos anymore. So it's kind of a lame excuse to buy poppers. Um, but if you go into a gay store, I think when I went to P town, apparently they're illegal in Massachusetts. You can't buy them, but you can get them if you just ask for them in the, in the right spot. But, um, Well, it's amyl nitrate, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. the original is amyl nitrate and it's sold as amyl nitrate and amyl nitrite. And basically you inhale it and the nitrate basically relaxes a lot of things because smooth muscle, it causes relaxation and smooth muscle. So the things that are made out of smooth muscle are your internal anal sphincter. So because that relaxes, a lot of gay men like to use it for bottoming because it relaxes things open but it also relaxes the smooth muscle in your blood vessels. So there's an intense head rush that happens because suddenly the blood flow to your brain is changed because of the, the relaxation in the, in the smooth muscle. Now, if you have blood pressure problems that is compounded with poppers, if you mix it with Viagra or Cialis, which also relaxes smooth muscle, you can have a tremendous drop in blood pressure. It can lead to strokes. People have died. What, you know, I've had a lot of people who, who told me, oh, you know, I went to a leather event in Washington and some guy hit poppers and he was on Viagra and he died from the, the, the huge drop in blood pressure that he had. So, um, so there's also a mysterious thing that happens where some people are found dead in their beds after hitting poppers and we don't know why. Um, so right now, one of the big uh, uproars in the summertime was that the, the fact that the FDA wanted to figure out what's going on with poppers. So they don't want to regulate them. They want to get the data to find out when someone has a popper related adverse event, what's happening so that we know how dangerous they are, if they're even dangerous uh, in the grand scheme of things. But like I said, the big things are anything that really relaxes your blood vessels like heat, Viagra or if you're already on blood pressure medicines for a heart attack or stroke.
1: One of our viewers uh, comes in with a question. Hey, what about hemorrhoids? What causes hemorrhoids? How do you treat them? And how do you avoid them?
2: Have some great videos on that on Instagram and on TikTok. But basically the anal sphincter has internal and external veins that, that take away the blood supply uh, to keep everything going down there. They're normally present, those veins, but when they become engorged with blood, that's what a hemorrhoid is. So externally or when they're on the outside and you can see them, those are frequently very painful. And on the inside, you may not even see them, but it can be very tender right on the inside of the anal canal. So they're basically engorged veins with blood. So the biggest things, number one, don't strain. If you're straining to have a bowel movement, you're pushing all that blood flow down into those vessels and it causes them to balloon out and create hemorrhoids uh you know so high fiber diet plenty of fluids and when you're on the toilet don't sit there for more than 10 minutes reading your reading your cell phone Fine. only go when you have go when you have the urge to go so that you don't sit there and, and and increase pressure downwards um so when you have them the treatment is keep your stool soft plenty of fluids plenty of fiber there's some topical creams that you can use to help calm the inflammation And if that doesn't work, there are um, some more invasive techniques like banding, which can happen from a a surgeon, or even surgical excision. I try to tell people to avoid those more extreme things if they can, because they can lead to uh, long-term problems if you wanna bottom again.
1: One thing, uh, well, our our final topic tonight is gonna be what I brought up early in the show, restless anal syndrome a symptom of COVID. What do you know about that?
2: Well, that's a really rare uh, one-time-only uh, uh, case um, where apparently this person's uh, rectum and anus is spasms, kind of like someone with, with restless legs. Their legs have to shift around and move around. I think I think what I read about that case was that as long as they were moving around, they were okay. But as long as as soon as they were still, they noticed that it started spasming again. So there is a there is a different phenomenon that's very similar called proctalgia fugax. So if someone's sitting there in their chair, and then all of a sudden, they feel almost like lightning struck their butthole, there's something called proctalgia fugax, where it's just like a massive spasm of your of your butthole, and it's called proctalgia fugax. And it's gone by the time you can do anything about it. It lasts about three to five seconds. But a lot of people think, oh, shit, do I have cancer? (laughs) You know, uh, what's going on back there? But it's a very normal thing. It even happens to me. So that's why I can laugh about it, right? (laughs) <laughs> and I am, too. I am too.
1: Oh, we're all in seventh grade, aren't we? We are. <laughs> Dr. Carlton, thank you so much for joining us tonight. If anything new comes up in your field, please come back and talk to us. And I, I'd like to talk to you more about your adventures in Provincetown too, because uh, we go there every year. So I'm sure we've we've seen some things. <laughs> uh, oh,
2: one of my funniest stories, if I can say it really quick, yeah. Yeah. is... Um, I went to Provincetown Bear Week this year for the first time as a celebrity, um, and I've you know coming out of COVID, I had no idea what being a celebrity was like. So I'm I'm in Herring Cove. I've got to go pee. I walk over the dunes, and two guys were doing what guys do in Provincetown in the dunes, and they stopped mid thrust and said, "Oh my God, we love your videos." <laughs> And I just said, carry on, boys. Use my tips. I think they were using their
1: own. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Carlton, so much. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. much. Thank you. All Have right. a good evening. You too. Oh, that, that was a lot of fun. Very educational, too. Did you learn something? I hope you did. Uh, let's get a word from our sponsor.
0: Every time I go to visit Upper Beaver Gash I always think why don't they have great shops like we do down in Beaver Pond? Well now you don't have to leave the safety of your home and risk getting that pesky Beaver 19. You can shop at the Amber Live store right off the interwebs.
1: And it's a better shop than Peggy's Plump and Proud. Oh but don't tell her I said that. She's still giving discounts to the Beaver Pond players for the costumes. I like the great products like the coffee cups I drink
0: my morning coffee out of, or my evening beers if I feel like getting all fancy. Down at B&B Fix-It Shop, we use large Amber Live beach towels to lay out on the grass every day at 4.20. And don't miss the Rusty Pean Collection for all your peen needs, dude. Ditto on whatever he said. I just love their shirts and hoodies. Oh, yes, if they have at the Amber Live store. Oh, they keep me so cool in the summer and warm in the winter at the Amber Live store. So shop at the best store in Beaver Pond. Or, better yet, stay on your couch, eat some pork rinds, have a... Thank you for listening to this episode of the Amber Live interviews. Remember to subscribe to us so you don't miss a single minute of the fun. And remember, it is your support that keeps us going. You can make a donation through this podcast by using our Venmo at RJDPro or by visiting us at amberlive.tv and clicking on the Support Amber Live button. Thank you.